Now, what's a bridge for, eh? Well, uh, crossing. Right. So stop dilly-dallying and cross it. No, wait! You, you, uh, you faded him again. I did not yes, fade you him. You saw him. I shall ask, but who was that? Me. Me! Me. Call, will you? Heads. Hard luck. All right. Stand by to disconnect the force field. What are you going to do? Now! Doctor, no! Choke it back! Today's episode. Do you really think Doctor Who's that shit that you think this week's monster is this silver thing floating in the sky? 100%. And then the gel girls come along and he really has to eat his words. Maureen O'Brien having the worst day ever sitting in the shed with William Morrison. What am I doing back here? Love. <laughs> Would you like to see my picture of, of Joe's legs? Because that's, <laughs> that's all I want to see. <laughs> because I don't think anyone drank water till about 1998. At what point do you put your mask on in the morning? And not realise that you've not got a face. Oh, shit, I've gone. (laughs) (laughs) Hello, and welcome back to World Enough and Time, the classic Doctor Who podcast that unites Andy and Alex despite the world, and indeed the time zones, that divide them. Hello, my name is Andy. Cool, are you ready for me? Such a welcome. And it's me, Alex. What a mouthful. (laughs) I know. Well, it's because I've been doing lots of editing of World Enough and Time in recent weeks. And and I noticed that I always pause on the bit before Unites, like I'm not sure what the podcast is for. So I said it with some (laughs) determination. (laughs) I never know what you're going to say. You're probably like, oh, this is new information. Every time. Same fucking info. (laughs) So I was just trying to be like, I know what I'm doing. I'm going to be strong. I'm going to visualise this introduction. Yeah, I sense it. I'm I'm there. I feel more determined, really, as a result of it. So how is one? One is good. One is going on holiday again at the weekend because it is um, it is holiday time. Um, so I will be going camping, which will be fun. Uh-huh. And we're going camping with dog. Apparently camping with dog is a normal thing over here. So, um, yes, very, very excited. So, yes. Good it is stuff. Me. I, don't pl- I don't plan to be going anywhere, anywhere soon. Um, although, actually, in terms of... Um, no, I can't say... <laughs> Does the recording that doesn't make sense? I'm just realising you're camping in May now in, in New Zealand, which is unlikely, isn't it? It's fine. I can camp in May. <laughs> I've got a big coat. No one realised how big the coat was. That's all. <laughs> um, 
I am also good. I wrote a furious blog post yesterday that I sent to someone to check if it's too furious, and we'll see Ooh. how that goes. What? Yeah. Who was the fury aimed at, or what? Oh, some idiots who are only interested in research and and in terms of um, critical thinking research. They wrote an article about how UX was evil because it comes from the corporate sector, not realizing that people doing UX are really sort of like mealy mouth <laughs> liberal librarians who care about everyone so we can use these tools and apply them in a way that's nice and kind and yes just because everyone it derives who does cx does it from uh, an yeah. actual care for the customer point exactly of view. exactly so it's yeah. just because these tools from the corporate sector doesn't make them evil translated to libraries and it's these people yeah. are just investigating the semantics of the words and it's like oh sod off and go and do some ux and actually find out what people are doing but I was, I was probably a little too angry in my, in my argument. And I also said, also, nice. if you want to dismantle UX and not have anyone do it, then we'll just have the, the sustenance of the patriarchy in its ableist, sexist, homophobic world of death sort of ending to my article. I was so angry. Did you spit? <laughs> I certainly sounded like a lioness protecting her cubs. Good, good. Yeah. It's nice to have passion about what you do. That's wonderful. Yeah. But I think I don't it may. Feel me... I'll be doing the same about, <laughs> about <laughs> telecoms. <laughs> yeah, just, yeah, we really do sell good mobile products. <laughs> Very fierce about this. <laughs> no. Yes. Nice. Good. Mm. Well done. Had have you seen the Perry Iacanos <gasps> thing? It was quite cute. Gorgeous, isn't it? Yeah. So lovely, and I thought, sweet. and I even tweeted. Well, I concluded Nicola Bryant in the tweet saying, "Fine acting." I thought it was really good acting. I think I want her back yes, in the program. Even resurrected her accent, <laughs> watered down accent. It was very cute. RTD, yes. can we not have Perry back in the program, please, dear Auntie <laughs> RTD? <laughs> and we have news about who the doctor is. Yeah, I'm sure we will have by now. But I yes. Have <laughs> yes, ruined exactly. this, ruined it yeah. all, ruined Cut everything. <laughs> Seamless in post. <laughs> um, good, good. Mm-hmm. Right. Thank you. Good. That so, section's done. I no longer need to hear <laughs> anything about your life. Please don't tell me any more about you or your wow. dull existence. <laughs> wow. <laughs> so, I have a question for you. La, 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 la. What do you mean watching on TV? <laughs> You really do. I want you to record that and kind of just insert that into like different parts of your life where you just go up and go, what are you doing? It's really nice. I have actually been watching something suitable that's worthy of mention in this section. I know. I, I chanced upon it by accident and I was quite grateful for that chance. It was, um, it's an Australian TV series called Bloom. Um, and the concept is quite lovely. Um, tell tell me about my... it, please. I, I feel like I've sold it wrongly when I start with lovely. It's just, it's my kind of thing. It's very Lyrivenor, which I know you still haven't fucking watched, even though I've been begging you to. Um... I might have done by this month of the year. You don't know. <laughs> you have never. No matter when this goes out, you have not watched it. Um... Well, there's a gauntlet thrown. <laughs> <laughs> And I do mention gauntlets later, so you'll be listening out for that one. Uh, anyway. I love how you keep the listeners hooked. <laughs> <laughs> Watch out for the gauntlet moment. 
Honestly, you get prizes if you tell us at what minute do I talk about gauntlets. Remember to pop them in. Um, right, Bloom is about. Um, you start off with this quite horrific moment where this boy walks into like a, quite a, a flooded area, and then he just gets washed away. You find out he died. It was lovely. Like so, I said, lovely. Is this going to be like how you like dark? And I was, I was completely traumatized by dark. <laughs> and you're like, it's a light series. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, it's, it's exactly like that. So basically, you find out that on this day, five people died in this kind of snap flood in this little village in I like a Australia. snap flood. I like a snap <laughs> flood. Better than one of those ones that linger. Yeah, you um, don't want a lingering flood. It just, everything just gets wet. With the snap flood, it's done. You're done. Gone. Anyway, a year later, um, in the site where each one of these people died, because they all died in different locations, this flower has bloomed um, and has this yellow kind of seed that looks a lot like cod liver oil, if you ask me. Um, but if you eat it, some people, not everyone who eats it, um, becomes a shit ton younger. There's not a specific age, but generally people who are about 70 become about 20. Um, and it's really cool. And they get really like territorial about it and really aggressive. And this one woman who has dementia and her husband gives it to her and then she goes off and starts shagging the neighbour and stuff. And it's all very odd. But it's, um, yeah, no, it's it's quite interesting and quite clever. And um, yes, I haven't finished it yet, but I, I will, I'll keep you posted. But it was just such a weird concept that I was not expecting to... Yeah. Be, hooked on but yeah i like it well so done there. what about you sir well sir? when i was in stockholm a long time ago i <laughs> i watched all of lock and key and i came back home and i said we need to watch it it took us a long time to get around to watching lock and key and i assumed we could just start from season two because i'd forgotten they hadn't actually watched it with me <laughs> so it's kind of like think you probably need to watch season one before you watch season two <laughs> yeah, otherwise none of it makes sense at all it really is a carries on kind of a series isn't it so anyway last night we watched the first episode of season two finally so i finally watched some new lock and key nice yes. okay good yes. i'm pleased for you and i was pleased to see more i was pleased to see more diversity amongst the cast and the characters hunky uncle dunk was suddenly gay and I didn't know that. And we love was... calling him Uncle Dunk. Uncle Dunk. <laughs> well, I have to call him Hunky Uncle Dunk now. You see, that's okay. the rule. <laughs> but all we know is there's a giant rat, rat skull. We don't know what that means yet. I'm sure it will have significance later. Or maybe it'll be like the post box, but stolen in Acorn Antiques, and we'll never find out what happens. Yeah, I don't remember this fucking skull at all. So I don't think it gets picked up in a later episode by any means. <laughs> <laughs> There's no pillar box, you can't press the letter. No problem, Nila problem. Slip in a line, oh Miss Babs, the pillar box has been stolen by international terrorists. What a palaver. You mean pick that up in another story later? No. <laughs> oh, how are they? Has this terrible rain brought them on again? They're fine. I'm fine. Kenny, if you could hover with my veggie. I'll be here. Is there some kind of problem? Small change, but. Pillar box has been stolen. So I come out. Come out. Walk, walk, walk to the pillar box. Blind me, oh fiddly bob. No pillar box. React, react, react. That's it. Fantastic, it's here. Ah, got to plan A. There is no pillar box. Oh, there is a pillar box. First, there's no pillar box, then one appears. What next? No pavement, no shop. Uh, so, I'm uh... sorry, do you mind? This is rather a tricky manoeuvre. Rather fussing to be filming as one's working. 
<laughs> react, react, react. So, anyway, that is all I have been watching. Okay, good. Well done you, though. Well done you. Focus. Yeah. That's what I like. Focus on a series. Good work. Yes. Good. I, I'm you hoping tell. you might be sat there with a quiz book near you. Are you? Is that what you're hoping? Is it? It is. It is. It is. Time for a quiz! Right. Well, I think we all need to learn a little bit, a bit about science. Proper, real, good uh, science. Well, you know how yes. I am about science. I love science. Yes. No. <laughs> but do you, do you remember all that? All the science. Um, it's really funny, actually. I just sent John off to school, right? Because it's quite early here. And he, I always get him out on time, unlike Marisa. And um, and when he went off, he was so relaxed about the time, he decided to tell me about his science lesson the previous day. And it was all about stem cell research and how he'd done really well on it. And he was telling me all about stem cell research. And I'm like, oh, my God. I'm sure I didn't know any of this at 13. No. But anyway, he got so into it. I was like, you have to leave now. Just go. Stop talking about science and go. <laughs> So you don't miss your bus. But anyway, I've already had a bit of a sciencey morning. <laughs> oh, good. Well, this is going to be very similar. Very similar indeed. This is all about time Liz Shaw. biology. Liz Shaw. <laughs> Sorry. What was it about? What? Cosmic biology? Time Lord biology. Oh, oh no. Oh, so. yes. Sorry. Yes, I think we'll all enjoy this one very, very much. Mainly me. <laughs> Good luck! <laughs> I feel you're with me in supportive mode here. A hundred percent. Do well. Do well for us all. How long can the fifth doctor survive in sub-zero temperatures? Just generally in any of his adventures? Yeah, just generally. Just, just yeah. Well, I would, really all the time. I would say... Hmm. <laughs> Let's say 72 yeah, hours. Time. 72 Would hours. Would you? Yeah. Would you now? Yeah. Okay. Well, six minutes. Is that it? Not yeah, no, he's not really good at that, is he? He's no. pretty... Not hardy. Not a hardy chap. I hope he didn't boast about that, because that's rubbish. <laughs> <laughs> you could do that, couldn't you, sweetie? I can do 72 hours. <laughs> <laughs> what aspect of Time Lord Biology helps the Doctor survive a mummy attack? Can I um can I respond by by answering a different question, which is what aspel of Time Lord? <laughs> oh, honestly, I, that is the most joy that you can possibly have, isn't it? I say a word ever so slightly <laughs> wrong, and that is it. Honestly, I just aspel. I didn't even get to aspel. Michael aspel in any of this. But you can't leave it. So yes, you tell me what aspel of time law biology helps the doctor survive a mummy attack. Please tell me. <laughs> Michael. <laughs> Michael. Incorrect. <laughs> ask. Do you remember ask aspel? <laughs> no, I don't. I'm younger than you, you old man. Uh, you, you don't get any chance to answer that. No, no, wait, wait, wait. No, wait, wait, wait. You have me cry with laughter. <laughs> um, uh, uh, something about respiratory bypass system. Oh, yes. Well done, you big turd. Yes. yes. 
Michael's respiratory bypass system. Michael Aspel's respiratory bypass system from now on. (laughs) What skill did Romana learn at school that enables her to escape from Dalek's slave gang? Ooh. Able to stop her hearts at will. Yes, she is. Thank you very much. And thank you and Siri. What does the doctor tell Ralph Cornish or is it Rafe Cornish? I don't know. I think it's Ralph. He can whisper. That he can withstand considerably more of than most people. Ooh. Cheese and wine? Just sounds like a big boast, doesn't it? Cheese and wine. <laughs> so who is Ralph Cornish? I think he's the one of the baddies, one of the double crosses in the Ambassadors of Death, I think. Oh. Hmm. Um uh, okay. stand more yeah, of pain? Just pain. I'm gonna say pain. Just pain. <laughs> um no. But um, you can tell being Ambassador to Death, you could have guessed it, it's G-Force. Oh, yeah, that does make sense. It does, doesn't it? Which is obviously an ideal moment for John Pertwee to do even more gurning than he usually does. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) I love a bit of that. Okay, which doctor claims that he might have two heads or no head after regenerating? Ooh. Is this the newish Doctor Who that could be someone else? It could be anywhere. Could be I'm anywhere. Gonna say Matt in... Sm- I'm going to say Matt Smith then. Incorrect. Were you working out numbers Maybe. in your head then? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe. I think it's Christopher Eccleston, the ninth Doctor. I wasn't far off. I know that doesn't count. Too far though. Yeah. Okay. That's like saying John Pertwee's almost Tom Baker. Fucking isn't, all right? He is. He okay. is. He becomes Tom Baker, so that's almost enough. What is the first story to mention the Doctor has two hearts? Ooh. Yes. I'm of a feeling it might be Spearhead. Yes, it is. Yes! Definitely. Okay, in what story does Ian say of the Doctor his heart seems all right and his breathing's quite regular? Ooh. Ooh, I don't remember the Doctor. Ooh. They have to find him at some point. Um, Dalek Invasion of Earth. No, wrong, wrong, wrong. <laughs> was that wrong? <laughs> it was wrong. Um, the Edge of Destruction. Oh. Well, that's reminded okay. me that we should do The Edge of Destruction for the podcast. Mm, yeah, that'd be a really good idea. We should invite Brian along for that one. <laughs> <laughs> um. Okay, how many have I done? I'm going to try and do some others that are old Doctor Who because we don't really want you to be a sweetie. Um, what can the Fifth Doctor store for several minutes helping him to reach the Queen Bat on Androzani Minor? Nuts. <laughs> <laughs> I saw this picture of him storing nuts in his, <laughs> his, his cheeks. His cheeks. Um, yeah. <laughs> what can he store in, in what? Was it about the Queen Bat's milk stuff? Was that it? It helped how him did... to reach the Queen Bat. Oh, what helped him to reach it? Store oxygen. Don't understand. Yes, it's that it was. basic. <laughs> Store yes. oxygen. I'm like, well, do you just mean breathing? Good oxygen. What can Dastari isolate from a Time Lord's body that's needed to control the TARDIS? Oh. What's the... Dastari in? The two doctors. Oh. He's got those weird glasses on and a sort of shell suit. <laughs> he sort of interacts with Jacqueline Pierce regularly. 
Gotcha. Um, I don't know, the time core brain um, TARDIS, isomorphic controls, operating hearts, brain, say lots of body parts, so they're now covered. Wrong! <laughs> but it might be all on the same kind of thing. Symbiotic nuclei. Oh, yeah, that's what I said. Oh, yeah, I heard that. Um, what is the seventh doctor's fibrillation rate, according to Dr. Salinger? Again, give me a story. No idea. You don't know? It could be even the TV movie. TV movie. Oh, could it? Oh, yes. That would be awful. Well, I want a number, and I want it now. 170. Oh, that was an answer to a different one. What is the more or less normal rate of the third Doctor's pulsatory returns from the alternative Earth is 170. But no, this one is 300. There we go. I can't do any more numbers. Far too many numbers. In <laughs> well done. You're a winner. I am a winner. I feel like I a winner. I know that. Do you? <laughs> yes. You did very well indeedy. So, I've wheeled forward into the centre of the room our favourite device... Yes. Very not a, excited. Not an iPad, not a laptop. It is, in fact, no. the mind-bending miracle that is the time-space visualiser. <gasps> Nothing has sound quality like a time-space visualiser, does it? Does exactly. it now? What is this machine? I've already told you, my dear. It's a time-space visualiser. You mean a sort of... Time television. Yes, like that. Yes, that's exactly what this is. And if you're new to this podcast, you'll not know that we use this device not to see moments from history, not to see important things happening, but actually to find out what pop songs and videos and performances on top of the pops we'd like to see from yesteryear. Yes, man, <laughs> And sometimes these are just random songs. Sometimes they relate to the story du jour. Who but wants to go usually first? Usually there's lots of thought that's gone into it. A lot of, lot of thought. care and consideration. <clears throat> no one on the I've podcast will no one on the podcast will suddenly suddenly just come up with a Kylie song for no good reason. Rude. What? Rude. <laughs> if anyone's done that, it's you and your Kylie obsession, you big turd. Oh, I forgot to tell you, in news, news, back on yeah. the news, I've been going to the gym and I've been very proud of myself. <gasps> so the neurographic I'm... stuff worked. I don't know. I think that's a load of poo. But still, I, I've been every day since I last spoke to you. Every single day without fail. And I will continue to. You do look like you've got a gym body. Yes, I know. <laughs> but no, the good thing is, even if I don't have a gym body, I don't feel annoyed with myself. So I can look the same size and still be proud of myself because I'm going yeah. to the gym. Yeah. It's a very I different feel, feeling. I feel like I need the listeners to know that I can only really see her shoulders. So, so I wasn't <laughs> actually apprising. <laughs> my sister's body in this moment. <laughs> or appraising. I think appraising's wrong. <laughs> I don't know. I don't, I don't know, know anymore. I'd like to correct you, but I only will when I know. Um, so, yes, no, I have one. Because actually this is a request from Christabel, which is unlikely. But he, uh -huh. was, he was very excited with the chance to choose one, which was adorable. Um, and he chose um, the Tears for Fears version of Mad World. Quite really. Gosh. Well, yeah. let's give that a spin. I'm putting the block in the chocker block slot now. I am Carol Chell. 
jaunty, that one. That's what I'm explaining. <laughs> quite, it kind of rumbles along happier and quicker than you're expecting, but pretty yeah. nice. Good. Right. Thank you, Christy. So um, I am on trend, on brand. I'm going back to December 1972. I was gurgling oh, in my cot, probably, next to some very garish coloured lights in Lincoln nice. somewhere at Christmas time. That difficult period between Christmas and New Year, and you don't know what's going on, do you, during those days? Well, I'll tell you what was happening. The Three Doctors were starting on TV. But Ooh. we might have just turned the radio off, the wireless it would have been then, I feel. We might have just yes, turned the wireless off in order to watch The Three Doctors. And do you Good. know what would have been playing at number one? At number we one don't. in the pop charts? It would be little Jimmy Osmond singing a long-haired Liverpool. Liverpool. <laughs> a long-haired Liverpool. <laughs> a long-haired Michael Aspel from Liverpool. <laughs> <laughs> well, I don't think you understand the extent of the Osmonds in the charts at this point. This is the height of Osmond fever. I'd like to just explain this to you. Thank you. The Osmonds were also in the top ten with Crazy Horses. Horses. That was always a very unlikely song of theirs. It just didn't seem right. And then, what's the other main Osmond? Donny Osmond was also in the top ten with another song. So it's like, it was Osmond a thon. What was that? Was that something about a dog? (laughs) (laughs) I'm sure they had one about a dog. (laughs) You can also, you can also hear Alex on her (laughs) Osmond podcast. (laughs) My vast level of knowledge on the Osmonds um, is, yeah, yeah, it vastly surpasses that of my knowledge of Doctor Who. Hey, (laughs) Osmond. Now you've squashed my favourite Beatles. Oh, so we finally agreed. We finally agreed to let her stay. We've actually che- we're converting the stables into a granny flat, and she's very happy. We've got a recording studio. She can she can do all her big finished stuff. We don't have to hear nice. about all the fact that it's not good enough in the house. So we're getting no. there. She'll be fine. She can carry on doing it. Um, so Lou is permanently living with us now, and good. Here she is. Did you get to change the record slightly there? <laughs> Jazz it up a bit. <laughs> no, she refuses. No. She's too busy. She's just too damn busy with all her big finished stuff. Uh, okay. So here she yeah. is anyway. 
Take it away, Lou. You're listening to World Enough and Time, a classic Doctor Who podcast. <laughs> I must tell you, you I really do need re- to find a new, <laughs> new famous person. You really do. Honestly, <laughs> Nicola, now you've said well done to her, get her to do something. <laughs> <laughs> Can't we get Nicola to do anything? <laughs> Charles Dance. <laughs> Quick flick through Woman's Weekly and that's lunch. Um, I know it's, it's Freeman's, isn't it? Quick flick through Freeman's and then lunch. I know, I say it every week, but can't we get Charles Dance to do something? So, get Charles to do, oh, to do anything. Come on, now, hodgepodge, what's yes, that? Yes, that's Patricia Hodge back in shape after her baby. Lovely. <laughs> Knits under control, aren't they, Miranda? Politics? Yes, we've got Babs Bush, Buto and Lulu on Lovely. Now, science. Well, we've got flossing can be fun. Flossing fun, something All right, like that. OK. Yes. Now, triumph over tragedy. I don't see anyone. Sarah Green. Oh, yes, all right, that's lovely. And get her to do a salad as well, and that'll cover environmental issues. Of course, because <laughs> greens, greens, greens. Greens, 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 <laughs> absolutely. Now, coping with surgery. Well, Miriam's turned up trumps again. Yeah. Stars and their secret scars. Oh, that's yeah. marvellous. <laughs> so, that horoscopes competition and the free J-cloth offer, that's the bulk of it. Yes, and we'll just pad with old items from back issues. As, as per usual. usual. <laughs> yes, well, I think that's lunch period. And a quick afternoon's flick through Freeman's. <laughs> With a fair, rattling pace, we have arrived at our story du jour, which is that 10th anniversary special. (gasps) The first special, as it were, which is, Alex, what is it called? It's called The Three Doctors, Andy, don't you know? Thank you, please. Tax Noah. (laughs) We're just so bloody bilingual. (laughs) We just can't help it. Continue. Continue! While you play stupid, childish games, you face annihilation, and you know that? You, your entire race, your precious terrestrials, everything! And what do you do, huh? You wrangle and babble of pipe! It's not a pipe! What do you think you're trying to do? Testing the limits of his self-control. They're not very good, are they? No. No, they're not. But it'd be dangerous if we push him too fast. We'll have to risk that. That temper is his only weakness. What are you saying? Do you plot against me? No, no, no. I was just explaining to my associate here that he should show you more respect for both our sakes. I am thoroughly repentant. So, tell me, what's your first memory of the three doctors? OK. Um, this this would have been um, a UK gold one. Um, I was quite excited. I, I couldn't imagine what it would be like to have all three doctors i do remember you telling me quite early on possibly before i'd even seen it that bill was going to be in his garden shed so that probably <laughs> helped me kind of kind of set my expectations where they should be um i'm not sure i'm not sure that's whether that's a myth by the way or not the garden shed i think he okay. actually went to ealing studios but i've always thought it was filmed in his garden shed as well oh cute um <laughs> I really think it was possibly one of my early Joe ones as well. Like, I don't think I'd seen much Joe at the mm. point that I'd seen that. Um, mm. And so I remember really wanting her to be great. I'd possibly seen Day of the Daleks and not much else. Yeah. Um, and I, I was really kind of... Obviously, I think she's pretty cool and Day of the Daleks is one of her better ones. Um, but... Yeah, I remember being quite hopeful for uh, for this and being quite disappointed about, <laughs> about how she performed. Um, my ex 
expectations weren't so high this time. <laughs> <laughs> Let's just say that. Yeah. Yeah. So, so yeah, that, I think that's my early stuff. Um, and also I do very vividly remember the gel guards and how wonderful they were. <laughs> Let's say that. Um, but yeah, I, th- I remember really being quite taken aback by them as a, as a youngster being like, oh my God, did they actually put that on TV? Like it was, oh, really? it was amazing how bad they were. Um, okay. And I didn't re- I was never scathing really about Doctor Who monsters and wobbliness, but they were so awfully kind of put together that it just, it really was quite a jolt. Yeah. Hmm. There we go. How's about you? Um, I first saw it when I was nine because it was part of the Five Faces of Doctor Who series, so in eighty one, and so I saw it like at the point where I should have seen it. I think at nine years old, you know, that's a good time to watch this sort of program. Mm. Um, <clears throat> and I enjoyed it, and it was kind of like, oh, this is proper Doctor Who history. So there was an excitement. Um, yes, and then it was immediately followed the following story they showed was carnival of monsters it was weird so it was consecutive weirdly they chose two stories that were consecutive so i was really in a a doctor and joe space at that point but what is weirder is that i didn't remember that joe was not that great when it came to buying day of the daleks and i was shocked at how i thought she was poor in that but yes but you're you're dead right in terms of your timeline i think you'd only seen day of the daleks before you saw it Mm. because we saw it then as part of all that memory stuff going on just there i know for you because we saw it as part of the BSB weekend in 1990. Oh, did we now? Yes. Oh, wow. So, so, so you, very uh, soon after Sil stuff. You see, you, oh, would be, nice. you would be 12. Okay. Yeah, yeah, that sounds reasonable. Yes. So. Yeah. Nice. And I like that, the gel... Makes... Uh, sorry, carry on. Yeah. No, it just makes sense with my um, descent into confusion as well. Because I think... I, my memory has blanked out from the ages of 12 to about 22. <laughs> like my whole, my head has decided to not allow me to remember that. So it must have just, just prior to that, I'm like, oh, I've still got a memory. So right. that's why that one's escaped. Uh, yes, <laughs> it does explain it. Yes. Yes. I just want so, to... So sorry, you like to gel guard. I love the it? gel guards. I don't know. It's probably because wow. I first saw them when I was nine and that was the perfect time to see them. And I just thought, oh, they're kind of cool and jellyish. What I really liked about them now is that you've got the red headlight sort of thing behind the membrane that moves around the eye that's in it. I love that. Oh, I don't wow. know why I like them. You're the only so thing forgiving. I am. The only thing I don't like about the gel cards is that obviously they filmed all of the claw shooting on location because there's always got sand beneath the shot and it really upsets yes, even me. even if they're in the grass. Yeah. Oh, it really upsets me. I'm like, that's really shoddy and better. Doctor Who, you're better than that usually. Well, a little better. Yeah. <laughs> I just love them doing the wibble wobble wibble wobble. I, I can't. I, I was surprised this time. I'd never realised they actually lift up their skirts in order to walk. <laughs> but they do, don't they? This old woman called Hilda. Pitching. Come I'm on, coming, love. we're off. <laughs> <laughs> Come on, Edie, catch up, catch up, Edie. Ada's over there. Well, they, well, they are masters of military tactics and she's just like you just like you you hear the thing the brigadier said that they've got a good handle on military tactics and then you watch them and go wibble wobble wibble wibble wobble wibble 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 what could they possibly have been doing that the brigadier actually admired their tactics given that they just wobbled forwards 
oh, it was fantastic. It just doesn't to make give any them sense, that level of skill was just fabulous. Yeah, their military tactics was, yeah, it was pretty Limited. paramount in the whole thing. But anyway, we're getting carried away. What we need yes. to do is to invite the yes. synopsis expert onto the sofa. Yes. Who can tell yes. us the story of the three doctors. Yes, well, here I am, and I'd like to tell you. Okay, so, we see... Oh, where do we... Oh, yeah, there's a balloon. Don't know why. Oh, what, well, that's a good line. No, I'll have to get back there. <laughs> we may not be NASA. <laughs> no, you fucking not. <laughs> Biggest fucking understatement ever. Anyway, um, Mr. Ollis goes for a burden. Don't see him for a while. Then, um... Dr. Tyler? Give him that, Dr. Tyler? He goes to find him. He goes for a Burton too. Anyway, where'd they go? Don't know. Um, then we're at, we're in unit. Doctor's trying to work out what's going on. Is he? Yeah, a little bit. Not much. He's not that worried. But the Time Lords have lost power. Someone forgot to pay the electricity bill. We've got problems. And so they, uh, they think, well, we haven't got anyone who can help. We're all a bit stuck at the moment. No power, no nothing. We've got the doctor here. Not quite enough. We need another one. So decide to transgress the laws of time, don't you know? Yes, another one. They give us patters. Good old patters dress. <laughs> I've never called him patters before. <laughs> I, don't I don't think it's like. a little odd. I don't think that's going to stick, is it? <laughs> <laughs> okay, we'll go out to Paddy. Are we no. Patrick Troughton, give him that, give him that, give him his full name, he deserves it. Anyway, he comes along, love him, does his cute thing, but they still need one more. There's just not quite enough brains in that room. So they decide to get Bill along too. Bill comes, saves the day, love him, he really does. Comes up with a plan, what do you do with the bridge? You go over it, you dumb twats. Right, they all go over the bridge, which means they all end up in antimatter land in a black hole. Good. Um, there's been some gel guards. That happened. That there was reasons. Um, anyway, in Antimatter Land, we meet Omega. Who's Omega? He's only the whole start of the Time Lords. He's why they are Time Lords. They were just Gallifreyans before that. He made them Time Lords. That's magic. He's just like a myth. The Doctor thinks he's pretty impressive, but still, he's a little bit afraid of him because he's a bit of a madman. <laughs> That's just the Doctor and Joe and some other people. Then, second Doctor comes along, save them, because they'd separated at this point. They do things, let me tell you. They do some, no, they don't know they're on a recorder at that point. They have a nice chat. They have some chats, definitely. Um, the Brigadier has arrived in, in the house. He's very cute. He thinks they're in Chroma, adorable. Um, and he meets up with some other people with guns. He's got people with guns, that's always a good thing. Just hang around with the people with guns and he's, he's feeling like he's in a good space. So, they, the Omega wants to get back at the Time Lords. They've ruined his life. They've, they've taken it away from him. They, he needs revenge. Yeah, yeah, he does. He wants revenge. They're like, well, we still revere you. We still think you're pretty impressive, but please, I think we're going a bit far. And also you've got no face. Sorry, lads. Um, <laughs> so he's got no face. It's never going to work. Come on, touch this recorder. Don't want to. Go on, touch it. You really want to touch the recorder. Don't want to. Touch the bloody recorder, will you? 
touches the recorder or throws it or does something with it and suddenly antimatter meets matter big explosion and antimatter land no longer lives everything that previously was goes back to how it was and everyone lands with a jump Ooh. and yes the end oh and then the doctors just go back to their own little place it's cute so there we go the story of the two doctors for you and your delectation and even the three doctors Three doctors, yeah. <laughs> there was three of them. It was quite hard to tell. The garden shed bit was confusing. There was three. There was definitely three. <laughs> well, thank you to our synopsis expert. Yeah. Um, who's drinking wine on the sofa, even though it's quite early on this BBC breakfast programme. <laughs> <laughs> it's necessary. And now, the weather with Samantha. So <laughs> <laughs> I don't know who Samantha is, but I do feel she is just out of shot. Isn't that... <laughs> Pauline Collins, she was Samantha. She's there doing the weather in the corner. There, there, there are other Samantha. The time weather. No, there the fucking Sam- isn't. Okay. <laughs> Anger. Um, okay. So um, I watched the behind the sofa thing on the DVD. On the DVD. No, it's on the Blu-ray. Blu-ray. And um, and there was a beautiful thing where Benton and Yates and Joe were watching the Three Doctors. Well, it was kind of uncomfortable because Yates isn't in the Three Doctors for some reason. So he no, felt, he felt really excluded. <laughs> it's like he was just sat there thinking, well, I wish I'd have been in this one. Benton was just... <laughs> John Levine was just so excited about every single scene because he, oh. Benton gets so much to do and he was just wetting This his is pants. his biggest one, really, yeah. isn't it? And the fact that he was in the one with all Three Doctors, he was just like, oh, my God. That's really cute. He was. And, and Katie was being lovely with both of them. But at the, very, the reason why I'm bringing this up is at the very start of the Behind the Sofa segment... Mike Yates, as he was, what's he called? Sorry, no, um, Richard Franklin thought that the weather balloon was the monster in this episode at the start. <laughs> and like oh Joe's, my God. And like Joe's, and Katie was like, no, that's just a weather balloon. <laughs> it's so weird. It's like, do you really think Doctor Who's that shit that you think this week's monster is this silver thing floating in the sky? 100%. And then the gel gods come along and he really has to eat his words. <laughs> yeah, he does, actually. <laughs> I'm, part of, I'm, part of the, I'm part of the GDL. Do you know what that is? Gel guard defence league. gel guard defence league. <laughs> I got there. Well done. So, um, I do like it as a start, Mr. Ollis and his weather balloon. I like how parochial it is. And oh, honestly, I really... The, the panning shot of the yep. lock, and then the swans, and yep. then the geese having a bit of a fly off. Yep. Oh, it was lovely. They Wasn't really it? did put some effort into the cosiness of it all. Yeah, it was yep. really nice. I agree. But the thing that really surprised me about the whole story, and I'm doing a big sweeping thing now, is how much Terence Dix nicked from this script, which was by Bob Baker and Dave Martin, and then used it again for The Five Doctors. So much of this feels like The Five Doctors. You've got people disappearing and being t- and going invisible and appearing in a new place. And, yeah. and you've also got someone who's evil, who's in charge, who's the villain, and he wants... It, and he's who's got, a time lord. And he's a time lord and there's immortality situation going on. And, yeah. And then you've got past... Do- and then you've got past doctors... You were meant to have a past companion as well. Benton's role is actually Jamie. It was written as Jamie, but they couldn't get him out of his Emmerdale farm contract. Oh, my goodness. So they didn't want to give John Levine no. that much time. They just <laughs> flower. 
<laughs> I know. Shh, don't tell him. Shh. <laughs> oh, that's really bad. But and um, were they going to get a companion for? No, it wouldn't have, would have been weird to have a companion with the first doctor just sitting in the yeah, shed with him. Sitting in the shed. Uh, he's still in the shed, all right, in my yeah. eyes. Maureen O'Brien having the worst day ever sitting in the shed with William Marlison. <laughs> what am I doing back here? <laughs> have you popped again, love? <laughs> Imagine you just really cabbagey ones, couldn't you? You wouldn't control them well at that age. <laughs> Not at that point. But the thing is, the five doctors has really surprised me. And I was thinking, well, he didn't write this. And then I saw the book, and it, the book, The Three Doctors, is written by Ter- Terence of Dix. Mm. So I think he got a lot of his ideas. Because he had to write and with the f- a black circle in the background, there's just a bloody black triangle in the the five doctors. Honestly, yes. Honestly. Anyway. Yeah, you're right. I hadn't thought about it. Good thinking. But this is the original. So, the first time we see yes. Joe, she's bringing in a tray of drinks. Thoughts? So, un- so unusual for Joe. I'd be annoyed <laughs> if it was just not so, like, it's just par for the course with her, isn't it? It's just, it's the role that Joe has. Like, she, her and <laughs> Mrs. Ollis in her fucking headscarf. Like, there was just, like, there was no chance for the women there. And obviously, even all the fucking Time Lords, like... God, they really need some equality there. It was just, yeah. it was such a male-dominated thing. And it really did make the point that really, in the future, in really advanced races would only really favour the men. Yeah. Like, it just, it was quite bizarrely backward-looking. Yeah. I, re- I wrote down, felt... I wrote down, ah, it's the space Tories. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yes. And then we're, we're not helped with them. Um, John asking to for the silicon. Oh, and I was just about to say, if any scene, such a cock. if any <laughs> so scene rude. sums up why I hate John Pertwee's Doctor, it's that yeah. scene. Pass me a silicon rod. Yeah, because uh, yeah. it's so rude and dismissive of someone who eagerly wants to help, and it's just saying, "No, pass yeah. me that silicon my tea Because actually, you can't fucking help me, and I'm just this god. Sod off yeah. and get off your damn pedestal. I can't yes. be dealing yes. with it. I'm hundred percent with you there. Yes. Yes. JP is a cock is all I got out of that one, which was <laughs> similarly succinct, I think. Can I offer another cock for this story? I... Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds like a weird thing to say. <laughs> Suddenly. Yes. Yes. I'd love um, it though. Is the brigadier annoys me throughout this story because suddenly as a character who actually understands a lot and has been through a lot and has had all these invasions and has understood everything about the Doctor before, suddenly he has some sort of nervous breakdown and doesn't understand anything, doesn't believe that the second Doctor could possibly be the second Doctor and that the third Doctor, that he's unregenerated and just doesn't accept anything. And Benton accepts everything, mainly because he's meant to be Jamie. But Maybe was that supposed... Was- Benton's supposed to be doing some of the Brigadier stuff. Was he supposed to be the... I don't think so. twat in the I, background. I don't think so. But okay. honestly, all the time, he's just stupid. And it really annoys me because he really understands more than this. And he's just angry and pissed off all the time and doesn't accept anything. He's angry at the Doctor. No, he should be more of a, a colleague who understands and gets this stuff. How can, I, he, be, how can he believe be... Jelgard's coming, landing and wobbling forward, Hilda and Ina... Wobbling forward, and yet he can't understand going to another planet. I don't understand that. It was weird. Yeah. Doctor, will you open this door? It's still thrashing about out there, sir. Yes, it is, isn't it? My little plan seems to have misfired. I 
I seem to have accentuated its metabolic rate. Doctor! Most unfortunate, shouldn't have happened. Oh, what went wrong? Will you let me out of this contraption? Should have desensitized. Of course, you're fool. It's antimatter, the opposite effect. Instead of quieting it down, I've stimulated it. Will you stop nattering? You haven't seen my recorder anywhere, have you? It's a no. little thing about this long with holes in. I had it when I came in, and I put it down somewhere, and I found it. last time, it. will you let me out of this madhouse? There's no point. I'm sorry, Doctor, but I'm afraid I must insist. My place is with the men out there. Try to do something about all this, whatever it is out there. Not standing out here, messing around, looking for some damn fool flute! No, I, I completely agree. But, um, yeah, it just, it did seem to be a lot of anger. Like, there, there wasn't a huge amount of light and shade in the the characters of the people. It was a lot of, like, even, like, Patrick Trown is such a lovely chap. Like, the one thing he really brings to his doctor is the joy and the silliness. Because yes. there's just so much anger between him and John Pertwee. Like, it was just, oh. there was a grumpiness between yeah, them that, all the time. But that was real friction, real rivalry. Oh, really? Oh, oh totally, yeah. I was hearing Terence Sticks talk about it because I knew, I felt I knew this, but I wanted to watch the documentary, so I did. And basically, he said, yeah, that was real rivalry. It was all born of the fact that Troughton wanted to ad lib and say an approximation of the of the lines, and Pertwee. Which would have been brilliant. Pertwee was word perfect, always was. So he was really infuriated by the fact that he felt that Patrick wasn't taking it seriously. No, it's just the way he acts. That's the way he acts, and that's what brings joy yes. to it. Yes. So, no, that was a real, ten- oh, that was a real tension, real rivalry situation. Uh, well, Even, yeah, and I just yeah. I, I can imagine John Pitt, we have a real kind of fragile ego about the whole thing as well, like try, having his territory kind of walked like, upon like the by photo the shoot, Like the photo shoot as well, like for the Radio Times, because you know, it was the Radio Times cover, he had to be in the centre. That was like essential. Because he, he'd never got over the fact that for when the Master started, when Roger Delgado started, that he was bigger on the on the Radio Times than John Pertwee was. And he'd never coped with <sighs> wow. that. So he was. He, they, that's why they put him dead centre and bigger than the first and second doctors, just because you know his ego. Ugh. Yeah, well, we're not. He's not helping me. He's really not helping me. I know. Um, okay. As I've said nice. many times before, I'm really glad we're not doing this journey in order because I think the third Doctor era would just make me really, really dislike him. I can cope with him in mm. short bursts. Yeah, we can dig in and dig out and then be like, oh, there's other ones where we like him, it's all okay. But <laughs> if you just do it in order, you just learn to despise. Yeah, yeah. Would you like to see my picture of, of Joe's legs? Because that's... <laughs> that's all I want to see. That's all I want to see. I didn't get as far as, as the... Excuse me. <laughs> What's happening there? <laughs> They look like kind of... they look like a picture of a skeleton. You know when you've got the the bits of skin removed from legs and you've only got the sort of muscles. That's what it looks like. What's happening? <laughs> it's just the fact that she's got such bandy fucking legs. They're just miles apart. Like they're just. Do you know what I mean? You get <laughs> it. Miles I mean, like, it's just skirt, but then the thighs, like, they don't touch by a country mile. And she like she stands like fucking. But can I just say something? I read something on your notes and it said, remember these gel guards with childish eyes. They are wonderful or something you said. You wrote down. Was it amazed by their awfulness? (laughs) (laughs) Amazed by their wonderfulness. (laughs) Yeah, you've really caught me out now. (laughs) 
I also saw on the notepad that you did actually write down Michael Aspel. <laughs> Oh yeah, that's right. Oh my god, you caught me out twice. Um, that picture of Joe's legs is up there with the um, demonstration of of the horse getting the between horse the two places. Yeah. I can't remember what story no, that was in now. Can you it remember? was uh, Silver Nemesis. <laughs> How long it takes I a horse to get from London to Windsor, wasn't it? Yeah. Informative uh, pictogram, to be honest. Is it a pictogram? Is that what you call it? No. At this point, you know, in about 20 years, we can actually publish a book of all your drawings from the podcast. (laughs) I reckon. (laughs) Oh, I just, I was, I had to do, you know, when something upsets you that much, you just have to draw it, or I don't know if you do. (laughs) When when people say the wrong word in meetings, I have to write it about six times to kind of dispel my brain. Otherwise, I can't carry on. Like, so. Um, like it, today, it's been a lot of conversations about Omicron, and oh, honestly, and, and then someone else is calling it Omicron. I have to write it out properly a few times just because I have oh, to kill them. <laughs> I just can't deal with it. Omicron, that's a new one. <laughs> oh, really? Yeah. It's not, oh, everyone's calling it here. Fucking twats. Idiots. So, um, John watched the first two episodes with me, and he really enjoyed a lot of it but he didn't watch episodes three and four later in the evening so that tells you something (laughs) (laughs) he watched the best too but he loved the um bubbly stuff coming out of the drains he thought that's quite cool that effect oh did he yes see i haven't even commented on it because it just it just didn't kind of hit me it was just it almost kind of almost wasn't there it just it so clearly wasn't part of the filming it was so clearly an effect that i just couldn't get uh, i just mm. didn't even almost notice it i just kind of almost ignore it what about that piece of music <laughs> whenever they have a car in doctor who they play such stupid music i mean i know it was best <laughs> do you remember that music They did definitely play something that was very Day of the Daleks-y. I felt like, was it Day of the Daleks or another one? It was definitely one. That it was, oh, me. Yeah, we've, oh, yeah, music from the Day of the Daleks, definitely, yeah. Oh, okay. Cool. Yeah, there was definitely a track that was in there yeah. from that. I have to say, I do love the, the low-key start to this. You don't think it's going to become the story it becomes. You've got the weather balloon at the wildlife sanctuary. You've got... You've got um, Miss Dr. Tyler coming with that boring orange box. And yeah. you know, there's so much. It feels really mundane. Mrs. Ollie's just being Mrs. Ollie. and and but not man. I feel like we're brought in similarly. Like we were talking about that Blink one that isn't Blink the other day, where we're starting with a cozy sixties um, oh, yeah. village, um, and then it turns into something bigger and more. Was that more vill- boring village? Because was it of that village of the angels. I don't know what it was called. Something anyway. like that. Anyway, but yeah, it just. It kind of I I feel like I was set up for something that I I would have been quite happy with, um and and I'm not angry that we got taken into a black hole but it just kind of I think it was possibly I, I would have had more fun if it was more of a I always wish for the anniversary type ones they did more of a normal story but then incorporated more people into it I hate the fact that specials are always that much more special it's like. It's like New Dot 2 where they just make, it's always the Daleks and the Cybermen. Oh, let's take a Santara in there as well. Like they can't just relax and have a I proper know, story. They exactly. have to really kind of they throw too over, much at it. Over yeah. the top of it. Yeah. 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 So having, yeah, I must admit though, 
Well, <laughs> even though, because I'm a very slow person, as, as I feel like you're getting <laughs> well aware of with the, with my watching of things, I was still shocked when Patrick Trouton turned up. I was like, oh, shit, we've got another doctor. <laughs> just... <laughs> you were actually surprised. <laughs> I really was, because I watch everything with so limited expectations. I just said, oh, what would you know? Oh, three doctors. And it's just, to me, three doctors is just a word. Like, it's just, I'll just do some stuff. <laughs> and I just was like, oh, this is really fun. And so it was quite nice for him to arrive. It was lovely. I was expecting Bill after that. <laughs> I wasn't too much of a shock, but, <laughs> but still. I, I do wonder if John Pertwee was kind of more upset because Patrick Troughton really does steal every scene and he is so good to watch. And he was maybe threatened by his performance because, like, you think, oh, we want this I doctor back. He's much, much better. Oh, dear. We are in trouble, aren't we? Just as when I turned up. Doctor, doctor. Where... where did you spring from? Now, don't tell me. Corporal Benton, isn't it? Sergeant Benton, now. How do you do, my dear fellow? Nice to see you. I haven't seen you since that nasty business with the Cybermen. All those years ago. Christian, how did he get in here? Well, it's a bit difficult to explain, Joe. He's not one of them, is he? Well, not so much one of them as one of us. One of me, to be precise. Oh, no, 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 no. I'm sorry, my dear. I hate to be contrary, but I can see he's a little bit confused. Poor old chap, and I do feel you should have the correct explanation. You don't mind, do you? Yes. I didn't think you would. You see, Joe... I may call you Joe, mayn't I? I may call you Joe, mayn't I? <gasps> that was my favourite. I wrote that down. I may call you Joe, mayn't I? It's fantastic. Love it. And then I had to look up whether mayn't was actually a thing, and it is. Oh. It's just not used. Gosh. Um, oh, dear. We are in trouble, aren't we? Yes. But you feel like you're with him. Don't you? you you're on side with yes. him. And I'm not on side Absolutely. with cocking silicon rod guy. No, you're just wanting to punch him every time. But yeah, mm. no, I, I must admit, I just wanted him to be nicer. Like, obviously, he was nice to other people, but it just, it was just a snippetiness, just really did. It was a shame. And I, I, even if they weren't getting on, like, there's shows where I've, I know people hate each other, but they still managed to make it look like they don't. I don't think, oh, yeah. I don't know if I'm allowed to say it. I'm not going to say that. I'll just carry on. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, I don't know what you were talking about. I was about to talk about Louise Jameson and Tom Baker. And I thought probably oughtn't to. No, it's okay. They're <laughs> all they're all over it now. Oh, okay. But yeah. yeah. So yeah, just seeing that how, yeah, that they did a fantastic job, mm-hmm. but obviously had real problems. Like so that yeah. it's possible to yeah. to get past that and make something special. Yeah. Um, but it, I I really felt to me it wasn't necessarily anyone's fault apart from the script writing. I think everything that they did have to say was supposed to be snippy they were supposed yeah. to hate each other yeah. and i just don't think that was a really good central concept to have in there i think they probably could have ripped out and had them getting on a little bit better to ah. to make it a more enjoyable show yeah i know what you mean i love the sort of three two one moment you know three two one the old quiz show where when they come up and it's either they've won the holiday or the car or the dusty bin and yes. there's the clues i really felt like that's kind of what happened here with like it's like oh so they were trying to find the doctor and they went to, they got Mr. Ollis from the wildlife sanctuary and then they got Dr. Tyler who was working in the, in the laboratory where I usually work and then they finally got me, three, two, one, you've won the bin or you've won the holiday. It was really, it was really sort of like, it doesn't make any sense. <laughs> yeah, that, that was the central piece to three, two, one, wasn't it? That none of it ever made any sense. Um, I don't yes. understand the connection between the wildlife sanctuary. No. 
Because the doctor likes geese. Oh, oh you solved oh. it. So you've won the holiday. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you. So, yes. Um... <laughs> there was a line that made me quite happy when, um, oh, yeah, when the brigadier sees the, um, the doctor and, like, obviously you're annoyed with him kind of being so confused about all, but I just, I love the kind of double takiness of it. And I, I kind of, in my head, I wasn't, Again, I'm just so wonderfully slow. I was like, why is he getting so weird? I'm like, oh, yeah, okay, yeah, that's why he's getting weird. <laughs> like, it just kind of, the fact that it was the Freemason animation, I just, I, I liked all that cute bit. And then obviously later on when the Brigadier sees inside the TARDIS, it was just that there's so many nice new bits and so many kind of shocking bits that just felt quite special hmm. that, yeah, again, would have been nice if they were all stuck in some 60s village. But anyway, that's my own little mm-hmm. special thing. Um, there was a line where... Um, the brigadier says, and shot poor Miss Grant. And then he finishes off with, off to heaven knows where. And I was just thinking, shot poor Miss Grant. It would have been so much nice. <laughs> but sorry. I thought <laughs> of you when um, Joe said, well, things are pretty serious. We've got the Time Lords involved. Because that really reminded me of the war games. Because that's the last time things got pretty serious. Oh, yes. You know? Things do get pretty serious. But isn't it incredible that we have the like... Time Lords and we see all the space Tories in, in Space Story Centre and we still don't have the name Gallifrey. Isn't that weird? Oh, really? Still not revealed. Oh, no. I had no idea. It's weird, isn't it? Damn. Yeah. So many things that I do, you just take for <laughs> I, th- I think the line that I always, always, even at nine, cringed was Joe's Ugugi Chew. I really couldn't cope. <laughs> I remember being really confused by it and not having I don't think I was aware of I am the walrus until probably about three or four years later <laughs> and so yeah it just didn't mean anything to me yeah. the goo goo choo the goo goo choo the goo goo choo don't like do no, not like don't like it no so um no. first telepathic conference we have don't we the contact thing which they do all the time in new who well not all the time sometimes in new do they well, I thought that was the only time I'd seen it. Well, they do it in the Five Doctors later on, don't they? And then they do it loads of times later. They do it in the Day of the Doctor, I think. I'm sure they do. And then they definitely do it in um, in Flux. The Thirteenth Doctor does it with um, what do you call her? Oh, Ruth. With, yes. Yes. Okay. Yes. <laughs> I think you'll find. But didn't oh as yeah. well as May and Tai, I got another yeah. another old phrase that I love. I think you should husband your resources. <laughs> <Just> love <laughs> yes, it. I love that as well. He was such a prick that guy though, wasn't he? He was so proper. He had like a Tories he... would always talk you about husbanding your resources. Yes. I feel sure. I think you're not husbanding yeah, yeah. your resources, and I've thought that for some time. <laughs> I like. You would do better to husband your resources, not throw them away on what is no more than a dangerous gamble. I am prepared to take that risk. Could you do better at resource husbandry? But like, <laughs> you really would use like less weird archaic language if you were a time lord. Like it, there just was no effort to be anything other than no, very classically. British. It's just like Whitehall to Gallifrey immediately, isn't it? It's just like yeah, it's just no change. It's like that's just transparently yeah. civil servants there, which is kind yeah, of the joke, 100%. I guess, in a way. But is it? No. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I do like the fact that William Hartnell's doctor just cuts through all the crap and he's just like, well, you've got to cross the bridge. They're trying to get you through there. I know. Brilliant. I love that. 
that. That honestly made me think that was probably one of the best things I've ever seen Bill Hartnell do because usually he witters on for fucking hours. But <laughs> wow. this time, I just destroys the whole first Doctor era. Usually he just witters on for hours. He's pointless. <laughs> but this time we got through some chit chat and just got to where we need to be. Thank you for moving the plot along. We appreciate it. It reminded me That's of good. like um, Curse of Fenric when it's like, well, if just. Isn't it if white just capitulates to black? It was the sort of like the the idea that it's like oh stop trying to fight things, just go along with it. I do like yeah, that. Yeah, just do it. Yeah, yeah. yes, good. Agreed. Yes, yes. So when we are in antimatter land, and we're there now. Let me tell oh, you, we we're, went we've so arrived there. there. Yes. Um, I just I do feel so little effort was made to make things otherworldly and othery like it just you know seeing uh, there was so little need to bring Bessie like and and Bessie driving along in a quarry to me doesn't say we're in some very other world where matter is completely different it just says you're in the same fucking type of place and there's a quarry there and cars work just as they would anywhere else like it just I feel like there's no effort made to make things different Oh, I, I don't know. I believe in it utterly. I, I really did believe that as an alien world when I was younger, definitely. And I, I don't know. I like the idea. It's very Doctor Who to have sort of like Bessie there and to have other bits. I love the bits of the lab being there. I like all that, but I kind of guess what, get what you mean. But I do like everything just being transplanted there. I agree with the lab, like and the kind of half a wall mm. kind of thing. Like that kind of was cool, but... And that that what did contribute to the otherworldliness because you kind of see Chroma in the background of the um, of seeing the the unit um, rooms. But I think it's just because Bessie just operates as normal and it's just he's always got Bessie in a fucking quarry. And it just to me that that's the bit that just kind of didn't feel oh, right. That, I just was, kind of... that was the other five doctors bit that they actually transplant Bessie to the death zone. Yeah. Yeah, so true. so similar. I couldn't believe it. But yeah. But the Bessie thing didn't make sense in the end because they have they spent ages in the car going back from the from I've back. got that note. And then suddenly and then two the, dog, seconds two seconds the doctors arrived and they were on the foot, yeah. No. And they spent ages with Omega. Yeah, and then so that's exactly what I'm saying. We don't need Bessie. It's right, just yeah. kind of it was almost because John Pertwee just liked having it there. It was just like his crutch. Yeah. But I just yeah, I don't like I it. I have a question about water coolers. I'm most confused. I was surprised that the water cooler was part of their setup in unit headquarters in nineteen seventy three because I don't think anyone drank water till about nineteen ninety eight. <laughs> not as a sort of like oh I'm going to get some water from the water cooler I was no, so I agree. Su- I remember so surprised. it was quite weird like that in the 90s it was kind of coming in the yes. whole drinking water wasn't it prior to that it was mental you know you might have a cup <laughs> of coffee in the morning and like you wouldn't look askance at a glass of water you wouldn't drink it <laughs> it seems so unlikely because so now we've got this yeah. water culture that you must eat what three billion litres a day or whatever it is yeah. and it just seems so unlikely. I'm thinking, you probably couldn't get anyone to fill up your water cooler those days, you know. No, no, there certainly wasn't a regular service for it. There was probably just someone upturning so it, it and using. And then you see, you've made a comment about water coolers. This is how dull we are. <laughs> I've made a comment on, on the taps. <laughs> I was very excited. All the important bases covered here. <laughs> they have a black gooseneck, matte black gooseneck. 
mixer tap, which, goodness me, it took me a long time to source for my kitchen. <laughs> it's honestly, it's, it's really quite new to have a gooseneck blacktop, but it's clearly not. We've come full circle. Yeah. Back in 1972, people had their gooseneck black taps everywhere, apparently. Office. So, yes, very exciting. You're listening to Office and Domestic Supplies <laughs> with Alex and Andy. <laughs> <laughs> You'll learn a lot. You will. Yes. yes. I just want to say that I thought the explosions were very good in the alien place. I thought they were very good and big and goshy. Purple ones, the ones that look like it. Quite a nice boudoir kind of a colour, like a peach one. <laughs> if a you peach so, bang. <laughs> peach bang. Yeah, that's something quite different, isn't it? Peach bang. <laughs> Every time that they shot them, it was always a massive puff of smoke and it was kind of orangey peachy colour. It was adorable. Good. I'd definitely do my room in that. No? No. I was very surprised as well when the sock, the sock and, do- sock and dector. When the mm-hmm. second doctor <laughs> met up with Michael Aspel, yes, sure. that, that moment was he said, "Care for a jelly baby." I had never ever realised that that was the second doctor who said that first. I didn't even hear that. Care for a jelly baby? He asked. Wow! I shall play that line in. That's now. insane. Thank you, sir. Care for a jelly baby. Good. Oh. I was quite into Doctor Tyler. And me, I was just about I to liked... say. <gasps> Carry on. I like that he didn't really think much of the Doctor. <laughs> I'd like you to just do this. No, actually, I'm not going to. I'm going to do my own thing because I think you're full of shit and I barely know you. Like, I was like, yeah, that's what I do, Dr. Tyler. But then afterwards, I probably wouldn't just run into a set and go, ah, wobble, wobble. No, I'm scared. Because that sort again. of played to the idea yeah. that he wasn't right not to listen to him, which we never no. like. No. But I just, I just also like the fact that Tyler was just fascinated to be there. When they first find him, he's doing scientific calculations. And that was so lovely. And it's just like, oh, that's yeah. interesting. I'm like, he's not freaking yes. out. He's just yes. like, oh, this is this is unusual. Loved that. Yeah. And at the end saying, I just, I won't include it in my report kind of thing. It was just so adorable. It was just like, I get how special this thing was, but I'm just not going to dwell mm. on it. It's not going to ruin the rest of my life. I shall just Ooh. think, nice happy times ahead. Fun fact. In real life, Dr. Tyler was married to Mrs. Ollis. Wow. I know. You see, Miss Ollis intrigued me quite a lot because I'm thinking to look at her. She's possibly only about 40. Mm. But in the 70s, being about 40 basically meant you were over the fucking hill. You were, six, you were no 60, effectively. You. Yes. Yeah. You have to wear a fucking head scarf. You can wear welly boots and a big hideous jacket wherever you go because no one ever cares about you anymore you are dead to us you are an old woman and i blame littlewoods (laughs) (laughs) i think that was the only choice was littlewoods (laughs) and even in i remember in staten not in stafford in oxford in the 90s and the early noughties thinking who shops in littlewoods i could not believe littlewoods still existed because you go in there and like the cardigans and tops in there and you'd be like oh my (laughs) christ what's happening here and like, I think... there was a shop at the bottom of Torquay that used to just sell housecoats as well. <laughs> that was like my favourite shop. I just used to walk past it and past it, like, wow, this still exists. They they actually could afford to make rent. This is amazing. Like, <laughs> people are going in. You're almost sort of like so in awe of it, aren't you? And think this is a, this is yeah. good. 
see you soon. Like, There's B- another world, but it's a brilliant B- BHS used to be a bit like that. And of course, CNA. CNA today. Mm. CNA was a bit but like They were always trying to jazz it up. Always, always trying to get a little bit up with the times, but always missing the mark. Well, the CNA's so menswear range, I remember the young menswear range was called Clockhouse. Clockhouse, sweetie. Oh, it was, yes, <laughs> Clockhouse. And do you know CNA still exists in uh, I know. Amsterdam? It still exists in Europe, it's, yes. Yeah. I've been in yes. many a CNA on my travels, and, mm-hmm. and you have a sort of moment of like, ooh, I'm in CNA. <laughs> <laughs> I can probably find some very bad fashion here. <laughs> yes. yes. See what we can do with a man and see and a. Come and see and a. See the things you're looking for. Come and see and a and see surprises everywhere. Open up your eyes. Mirrors don't tell lies. It's a beautiful day. Come and see and a. It's such a surprising store. I'm very, very irritated every time anyone, Joe, calls the recorder a flute. Every time. It's not a fucking flute. They keep calling it a flute. It's so annoying. And I think, but then I have another question that's a social, cultural, socio-cultural question for you at the time. And my question is, when did recorders begin in schools? What year? As in, start to be a, a yeah. As in the recorder classes and London's burning rounds and all that sort of stuff that people did before my time because yeah, it was it was a definitely a standard for me. Mm. I want to know when it started because I think it could have been around this point if people were right. getting away with calling it a flute because there's no. <laughs> <laughs> well, maybe they were thinking if you put a stripe around it, then it makes it more interesting and you can call it anything. <laughs> so I was reaching out to the Recorder in Schools podcast. Can you, can you tell us, please, at what point recorders started to become de rigueur? I never, I never forgot the time when I went to Anna's house once and, um, and the girls weren't there because they were both in ocarina class. I'm like, what? I'm like, what the fuck? <laughs> What is an oh, ocarina? No, an ocarina if it slapped me in the face, yeah. <laughs> what the fuck is an ocarina? I still, if someone asked me, if someone, someone did ocarina in Pictionary, I wouldn't be able to draw one because I have no idea what it is. <laughs> I feel like I have to find out though because this Pictionary incident is going to really be the end. Oh my goodness, that is not what I was expecting. Goodness me. It actually, it would suit Anna because that one's in Odeneal. <laughs> the hell what is it? it looks like an alien it? it looks like a monster it really does how strange that's an ocarina what's okay yeah no that's not link's ocarina from the ocarina of time is it yeah that's the one. Ah. um wow anyway, <laughs> so anyway. <laughs> we've been everywhere that's on this one percussion <laughs> <laughs> right i would like to know how when they first met omega that Joe took from that, they're clearly enemies. Uh, it was just like, what? Like, they're not enemies. He's just said that, like, like we thought you were dead. We were like, you've been, you were revered by the Time Lords. He'd like gone on about how hmm. impressed he was by him, essentially, and like, 
straight away, like, Joe and Dr. Tyler are like, oh, yeah, they clearly hate each other. I'm like, really? Because that's not what I got from any of that conversation whatsoever. Mm. So that was just... What did I... No, I think that's just the script underlining the fact that you're meant to think he's bad, really, rather than right. what was portrayed. Yeah, I think that's a good point. Um, but I he, just... he, was, he has yeah. good right to be pissed off, doesn't he? I know, no, you can't. Yes, I agree. I think good. so. But then he was doing dangerous things. So I think, you know, you'd expect it to be a bit dangerous and death deathy to do what he was doing. Yeah, but if he founded the Time Lords, like, I think you'd expect everyone to move heaven and earth to try and get you back again if there's any chance that you yeah. can. Yeah, yeah. Um, I love the episode ending with the headquarters going through the black hole. I just love the Doctor Who-iness of that. It is really cute. Oh. Yeah. No, it is quite nice. Yeah. I'll but then I start, then I, then my OCD brain sort of kicks in. I think, well, are the outhouses part of that? And do they have to be joined to the main building? And sort of all those things. Yeah. Will things fall apart? Yeah. What about the foundation? Exactly. <laughs> all of that. Is the floors included? At what point do they separate? And I don't I know that's thinking about it far too much. There should be a cellar in there somewhere. There should. There should be a big hole there. Yes. Yes. Um, there's a real, another acorn antiques moment. Um, well, twice actually, where Joe points at something that hasn't happened yet. Um, where a wall, the wall appears. She says, take a look. And then the wall goes. Oh, yes. And then yeah, we was like, oh, they won't keep us here. There's no doors. And then <laughs> later in episode yeah. four, when the TARDIS comes back, she says, "Look, the TARDIS!" And then the TARDIS appears, and it was just like Acorn Antiques. It's like, thank goodness the postman has such a distinctive knock. And then you hear it. Yeah. And you hear it knock. <laughs> <laughs> but then that's definitely not Joe's fault. That really is really shitty editing. It is shitty editing. It made it look Blame stupid. Blame the editor. Yes. Yes, they did. Yeah. I really hated the. Mind over antimatter line. It was oh, Oof. that really made me feel out. So was was it Stephen Watchams? Was which um, was it? Was Stephen, Stephen Watch. Was it Stephen Watchams. I love your Stephen Watchams. <laughs> <laughs> yes, it was Stephen Watchams. Oh, it was Stephen <laughs> Thorne. I hadn't even looked that up. I'm quite impressed. That's that's knowledge from long ago. That is. I'm well, quite impressed done. with that. Gosh, I know. Didn't we meet Stephen Watchams? I think maybe we did. I maybe think you got him something signed by Stephen Watchams. Seems likely. Yeah. <laughs> My left breast. <laughs> <laughs> I hope not. Dirty girl. So I, I have to say, elements of Omega's costume. I thought the mask was amazing. Love it. Love the mask. But the cape, very loud on camera. Very loud. <laughs> well, on sound, rather. It's, it rustles so much, it often muffles what's being said. It's like... Very rustly, and I imagine it's a, a very highly flammable material as well. Without me, there would be no time travel. You and our fellow Time Lords would still be locked in your own time. But I was abandoned and forgotten. No, not forgotten. All my life I've known of you and honoured you as our greatest hero. A hero? I should have been a god! I, I, I definitely, I was thinking about his outfit... A lot. <laughs> that sounds it's like that's like translated. I was thinking about his outfit far too much. <laughs> <laughs> like for entire episode. Okay, well, wait, wait, wait. Before <laughs> before you launch, it's time for dressed for success. <laughs> I'm gonna get dressed for success. Shaping me up for the big time, baby. Get dressed for 
Well, I agree. His mask is pretty impressive. Yeah. But. <laughs> and it's a big but. <laughs> but we know when we we wear clothes. <laughs> we wear clothes. People. Are there true? Are there true facts? <laughs> For the fact for the fact that other people see us. Yeah. If we don't see anyone, as has been proven by the last couple of years, we do not make an effort. We wear track pants and we do not give a shit. If the one time when I think you'd be assured of really not giving a shit and certainly not wearing a sparkly cloak gauntlets, thank you very much, listeners. <laughs> a beautiful mask. They didn't see that moment. That then. is when <laughs> that is when you're in a complete other universe with no other humans around whatsoever. Like, that is your moment to veg out, sit and eat ice cream, and wear something comfy. That outfit was not comfortable. It made no sense whatsoever that when he's not seeing people, when he has no one around, that he would ever care to put anything on that was fancy. Yeah. Like, it just... It's for the it's for the viewer, and you don't have any viewers when you're all alone. Unless, and this is a concept I'm happy to take on board, unless behind his little kind of hole in the wall thing, he's got like his own little boudoir with a lot of track pants, bowls of ice cream, and he just puts the mask on when people pop around. I mean, I almost, like, that I almost feel like the track pants aren't even necessary and he should be really sitting there in his underwear, really. Well, Why well, bother getting yeah, up? I, yeah. So, uh, yeah, and then he'd realise he doesn't exist. The whole story's gone. <laughs> he'd just look down and go, fuck. Yeah, that's the point. <laughs> no longer that's exists. Point. Like, I'm off. <laughs> at what point do you put your mask on in the morning and not realise that you've not got a face? <laughs> oh, shit, I've gone. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, I know. That one That one is a tricky one. So he's obviously it's, not it, really it, into you, personal, personal hygiene, no. is he? Because he obviously he never washes his face, <laughs> dirty bitch. No. Doesn't wash behind his bits. That is just yeah, it's just carrying on as Doesn't normal. do anything with his with bits. Dirty, sweaty no. groin. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, I was considering it for quite a long time because, like, because it is a fact, isn't it? They do say like if you don't, if if you don't see anyone for a long time, like your whole attitude to clothes and the way you look completely yeah. changes. You yeah. just you only do it for other people. And also, if you don't um, wash I- for a long time, your whole body just disappears in the long run. <laughs> Maybe that's all it was. Maybe the bacteria just got to him, dirty bastard. <laughs> right. Um, I was very upset with Patrick Troughton's shirt. It was an awful nylon. It was a really, really It was also blue. Bad, and bad. I was thinking, how many times was the Doctor's shirt blue in the black and white era? I went we through that know. same thought. Maybe it was always blue. Exactly. It was quite upsetting. Maybe he was always wearing blue, but I felt... For all of us, but, he really ought to have worn but, white just to. Did you catch sight of his away. gorgeous braces? Oh, with the flowers! Yes. Oh, absolutely beautiful. So beautiful. Yes, they deserved a special. They mention. were my favourite thing. And uh, um, and we were also treated um, in that fucking bizarro kind of wrestling scene to um, a, a little. Um, Little sneak peek at the doctor's heels. Another bit of his fragile ego. He mustn't be tall enough, and Cuban so he wore heels, heels like Cuban that. Heels, yeah. They weren't even Cuban. They weren't Cuban. More there like. was no Cuban aspect to them. They were solid platforms. They were thick. They were not the little Cuban kind of 
No. I was I was rather distra- Nasty, more distracted yes. by the mounting in that sequence. That there was a lot of mounting. What did Christy say? He, he says, "Oh yes, you just keep on hugging and doing roly polies." <laughs> 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 yeah, he did quite enjoy that. I think. Um, yes. Um, what else? In yeah, the cost- that cover. I didn't understand. Was that supposed to be like the the dark, the dark of, side? He said, "You will fight the dark my dark side." Of side. Omega. Yes. And so there's a good side that looks less like a weirdo with yeah. sparkly jumpsuit. Exactly. I do feel that's the sort of sequence that John Pert would have, would have demanded so he could do some oh, I fake know. Ma- I do martial some arts. Oh, I know. Can I do please? Yeah. I know. Hot! I was. Yeah, I thought he would. Well, to be fair to him, though, I thought he would gurn more in that sequence, and he didn't gurn very much. I was quite surprised. <laughs> well done, John. Yes. Well done. Yes. Um... Obviously, Joe is the only person of interest, really, outfit-wise, so she needs a good going at. Um, <laughs> it's a lovely blue. A good going. <laughs> there lovely shall be no mounting cap. on this podcast. <laughs> well, that clearly was. <laughs> Mounting's already happened. It's a free-for-all now. Um, powder blue knit mini dress. It is, I mean, it's stunning. It is. It's, yeah. it's, it's a very lovely outfit. Um, with the powder blue half-sleeve jacket. It's questionable i wouldn't have gone for a half sleeve jacket but she makes it work it's fun for sweetie um, fun for oh is it okay. it makes me yes. think of um lucy fleming in survivors because she had a fun fur coat but which lasts all three series but starts as her coat when the death starts and later on you see it it's eventually transmogrified until it becomes like a horse what's it called the thing you put on a horse the blanket thing you put on a horse under the saddle it's got a name blanket <laughs> yeah it's got a weird name you know they have weird names for things in the horsey world anyway it becomes one of those something like a rump nice. a rumpus i've made that up <laughs> something like that i need to know what that's called now can you yeah, please find out what's the blanket what's the blanket you put on a horse called find out i, I don't even know i'm looking horse accoutrement <laughs> yeah. do do it's I definitely not going to be called a rumpus by the way I made that up. Because <laughs> I really thought it was. What's it called? Horse accoutrement. Uh, horse. <laughs> it's the thing that you put under the saddle. It's got a name. Oh, you can get a bib to carry their poo. That's quite uh, nice. I know. Was that? Oh, just... Horse tack. That's what... Right. Yeah. It's, it's mandated on the beaches in, over here. So good. You don't shit on. Yes. Good. Horse tack. Here we go. I'll have it in no time at all. <laughs> I need to know. <laughs> oh, terminology of horse tack. Here we go. Pommel saddle rings cantle. What's the cantle? No, that's not the saddle blanket. Yeah. <laughs> no, it's got ring. another name. I know it's got another. I am so certain when I interviewed Lucy Fleming for the Survivors DVD, <laughs> she she said the name of what it was, and it was much more of a horse. Maybe it was nothing that. to do with horses at all. Maybe oh, you I just hate, I hate you. It was a saddle blanket in your own head. No. Uh, half pads, saddle blanket, and half pads. Yeah. I don't know. I need to know what it is. <laughs> what is? Oh. Another name for a saddle pad is a numna. That's it, numna. That's it. <laughs> I was close. I was close with rumpus. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? No. I wasn't that far off. Rumpus. I'm so numna. impressed that I found a numna for you. I feel that says more about my skills than yours. Well done, me. Anyway, the her yes. fun fur coat ends up as a numna. <laughs> ah, good to know. 
Good. I'm glad we went down that little four hour wonderful list. Yeah, wasn't it? Um, yeah. Um, yes. Yeah, the, the jail guards upset me a lot. I don't think we need to go into that. But yeah, I, I was quite impressed by his gauntlets. I feel like we need to go there again. It was just, how damn sparkly were they? They were just so lovely. He really yeah. had made an effort. Um, and to be honest, I, you were against his cloak. When I got past the fact that he wouldn't be wearing it, I was like, actually, I quite like it. Like, if you've got guests coming around, put your snazzy cloak on. And he certainly did. And I, I thought it was all right. But, yeah, I couldn't hear it. I was happy. Yeah. I was but he definitely mind- can tell he was a Time Lord, because all the other... Sorry. The Time Lords all had the same cloaks on. They'd obviously yes. been to the same tailor back way back when. I was just going to say, I was reminded of Tomb of the Cybermen, in the sense that the second Doctor is playing a game so that he encourages Cleek to reveal that he's mad. And I yes, felt that's the same tactic, wasn't it? It was similar, Wind wasn't it? It was up. like, yes. yes, he was winding Omega up to to get him to do bad things. Yes. And the third Doctor was too thick to realise. It's like, what are you doing, weirdo? Yes. Yeah, but the really. second, I think the evidence, the second Doctor is cleverer than the third Doctor. Having it, he wins. Yeah. Well, I think whenever you are battling your own ego, then you're always going to have like you've got a blocker to being skilled or talented. If, mm. if you've got your own ego coming first, you're never going to be open to new ideas and new thoughts because you're always trying to show that you're the best. That's always going to make someone a bit thicker. And, you, then, you, yeah. and then there's this an interesting thing there, isn't there, about the third Doctor slash John Pertwee and where does, the John, when does, where does John Pertwee finish and the third Doctor begin? Or are they just the same, you know? And would John Pertwee be, be aware of the fact that his Doctor seemed a bit thicker because of his ego? And would he be therefore aware that John did? Do you know what I mean? I do, and I, I do think my belief is that most of the doctors one, two, three, four, five. Uh, I'll give Colin Baker the benefit of the doubt. I'd say one to five um, really did just bring themselves to the show. I think they really did bring their own personalities as m- more than any acting skill. I think they just were themselves wholeheartedly. Right. And that that's what being the doctor allowed them to be. It was like be yourself, but like an a bigger version of it. I think that was kind of what the the brief would always be for for any yeah. doctor. It was it had to be their own personality. So yeah, I'm pretty sure it was a big chat. That's why, you know, when <laughs> like when I'm doing Doctor Who quizzes and stuff, like John Pertwee or the Third Doctor is just so interchangeable. They are the same character as well as person. Hmm. Although there was that clip that surfaced of William Hartnell doing panto, and he was he was the mirror. He was in the mirror talking in the mirror about his performance, and he sounded so different to the first Doctor that I I actually started to realise that Hartnell was more of a performance. The first Doctor was more of a performance than I remember. Right. What I call a variety type of actor, the actor who is used to playing on his own in a, in, in a front class, which is a variety actor. But I'm not. I'm legitimate. I'm a legitimate character actor of the theatre and film. Do you feel pantomime isn't legitimate? Yes. It isn't legitimate? No. No. Why do you think children like you? Because you're rather a grumpy sort of person. As I've said before, they they find me a cross between the Wizard of Oz Oz and Father Christmas, you know. Do you sing in this? Uh, Yes. yes. Are you a good singer? Well, I I was a a good singer years ago, but I'm not now. What about dancing? Years ago, yes. I don't dance anymore. I don't want it. This pantomime ends this week. Uh, What does the future hold for you after this? Well, I don't quite know. I've got a manager who looks after my affairs, you see, and uh, 
I would have thought you would have Zoom. looked after your affairs. You no. seem to me to be a person who very much knows his own mind well, about I, what he wants to do. I do, but it's always better to have a representative. Uh, you see, that is my business acumen. I want somebody to talk turkey. I don't want him to come to me. Because I haven't sufficient patience to do it. Also because of his age, because he was so much younger. But do you know how old he was when he did The Three Doctors? You'll never guess. How old? 64, Do I have to guess? 64. <gasps> oh, my God! We did three doctors. Yeah. Fucking hell. That was about 90. I know, exactly. My God. I mean, he was That's ill. That's insane. He had, he had that arterial, whatever it is, disease and stuff. But but he wow. looked so old, didn't he? It's just, yeah, the thing I'd say with the first doctor, though, is I just, I think he was always quite grateful that he'd, um... That he managed to get the lines out. I don't think he had time to really inject a personality into his performance. Wow. He was just... <laughs> I said it, I said it, thank God. <laughs> um, I wanted to also talk about Hartnell in the sense of, I liked that line where he said, what's all this, a mass meeting? I loved that, that he was just like, when they're in the back in the TARDIS and he, he's on the screen saying, what's all this, a mass meeting? Oh, Loved yes. It. Oh, no, he was, yeah. I, I, to be honest, I liked a lot of his performance. I think this is probably one of the best times that I've seen with mm. Hartnell, to be honest. I thought he did a really good job. Um, yeah, no, he's a cutie. Look, if you cannot reverse the energy drain, the fabric of the entire universe could be torn apart. What if it is? It will make an interesting spectacle. Then you would be utterly alone forever. I am used to solitude, and I shall have had my revenge. I shall be satisfied. Omega, oh if you would undo the harm that you've done and resume your place in the High Council, well, you could have the freedom to do anything that you wished. Power is the only freedom that I seek. Omega, to my mind, the concept of him kind of begetting the whole Time Lord concept means that when he says, oh, they must be desperate, they've transgressed the time, the laws of time, like really, what, what would he know about the laws of time? Being as he was never really a Time Lord, he'd never lived in the Time Lord world when they were Time Lords, they were just Gallifreyans fucking around a bit. Hmm. So like to understand what the laws of time were, you need to have lived in a world where you have to really be confronted with what's possible with time to then decide what the laws are so the whole laws of time thing how would he know he'd never really done any of that shit it's true it's yeah, very true i want to tell you about the story about how stephen thorne was asked to um reduce his performance on the scream of anguish because because kids were visiting on set because nicholas courtney's son was there or something it's like just because children are visiting Take the set doesn't away. mean doesn't mean that you should reduce the performance. But he was asked to bring his performance down a level for that scream. I thought that scream was one of the best things in the whole thing he did. That... Yeah, no, it was definitely wholly believable. <laughs> but apparently that wasn't that wasn't the full the full whammy that he intended to do. Because so maybe they used Nicholas Courtney's kids as an excuse. <laughs> maybe they were like, actually, he's gone a bit over the top. Oh, right, yeah. Let's just maybe say it's just an excuse. Yes. <laughs> yes. Um, so I, I like the quick... line, oh, just because you're not musical. Sorry. Just because you're not musical. <laughs> yes, it's good, isn't it? It was a little, quick little <laughs> dig. Like that was proper Patrick Down going back to who we like. Mm-hmm. He was just like, just having his own little 
yeah. chat to himself. Totally. This is lovely. So would you have kept... This is my question for you, my big question of the episode. Would you have kept company with... Kept M Omega company in the endless years ahead? Would you? Yeah. 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 I, just, I wanted to know what was behind that little hole. If it had as much ice cream as I was expecting. Quite a lot. Um, and some good comfy track pants. Well, that's the I thing. That's the you thing. If you could anything. actually invent, conjure anything and experience it, then it would be quite quite a good thing to do. Really, I reckon. And honestly, I haven't said about it yet. I thought the sets were terrible when you got up there to the alien world. His palace should have been so much more grandiose and exciting. For a, yeah, as a palace, it was not palace If was... you invented it, it's like, oh, right, he can only imagine a cheap amateur dramatic theatre set. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Yeah, it looks like a, a, almost a Zygon spaceship. Yeah. yeah. It's not really what you're after. You want something palatial. Yeah. Yeah, it does make out like he's got quite a limited imagination, which is a shame. Yeah, he could have had a lovely house, like the lovely unit house. You'd want one of them, wouldn't you? And, yeah. and like that's the thing with the novelisation, which I was looking at, is that um, they describe the palace, and it's all amazing, and singularities, a cascading fire fountain, and all this sort of stuff. And I'm like, you watch it on TV, right. and you're like, not quite uh, that, is it? Not quite no. Not so much. And that's why they're so reluctant to go in the singularity thing, because it's a flame. It's a burning flame. But it was just like oh. wispy smoke. <laughs> oh, so it's like a planet of fire flame. Yes. Where, where nothing burns. Nothing burns. An unburny flame. Yet another unburny flame. Yes. Um Oh no, I've gone I've gone too far. But yeah, the I always end up going back to the, there was a moment like we're all they were all in the TARDIS and we're like, what do we do now? We just wait, do we? And I was just like, oh, you've got so much that you could be doing now. It's just like, have a look for the fucking swimming pool. And I remember always <laughs> thinking, whenever they were in the TARDIS and a bit bored, it was like, get out of that fucking console room. Have a wander around. There's going to be cupboards full of clothes. There's going to be a swimming pool somewhere. They'll probably find a theatre. Just go, have a look. And I just, I always willed them to go and do something more exciting mm. just for a bit of a foray. Something that I meant to say on the Terminus podcast several episodes ago, and I'm going to say it now, even though it's irrelevant, was that, so Ka- that Kari and Olvia, they were just, they had nothing to do at the end of the story. They were just completely wiped from existence. They, they weren't part of any of the last few scenes. You never saw them saying goodbye or anything. The last scene is when Olvia just fires the thing at the, at the wires. Anyway, that annoyed me looking back at it, thinking about it. And I think the same is true of Tyler and Ollis here. I know Ollis gets the last line, but they... They have nothing to do in the last episode other than run with all the other characters. And I don't. I think that's not very good writing. They should have had something they offered, like Ollis was able to fire his gun and save the day, or Tyler's right, science so could have been valuable. Help. You know what I mean? Tyler definitely had options. Yeah. He was a clever chap. He could have been something useful and was, yeah, very yeah. ill-utilised. Ollis was there just for the comedy value without any comedic skill, which was yes. a real shame. Yeah. So I just thought, what are they doing there? They're not achieving anything. And I thought it was just a shame. Yes. Yeah. And I really thought with that Ollis guy as well, like at the very end, like I know I'm romping, um, but like to me, it was just a real missed opportunity. Like instead of wasting that kind of one liner of, oh, you'd never believe me kind of thing. It could have been a really beautiful kind of like, 
oh my god I'm back and I love you and like they just really could have been that moment where he was just so grateful to be back and they yeah. hugged or something like there was just so much opportunity to to yeah. feel it the enormity of what he'd just been through but then just like that throwaway kind of what you imagine they would think would be hilarious in the 70s oh you'd never believe me <laughs> Woman. like it just yeah, yeah. It just, is, the supper, so... is the supper ready Fuck off. yes no it yeah. fucking isn't I did like all the characters going back via the singularity flame but again that reminded me of the five doctors with all the different TARDISes going off separately there's, it, oh, yeah. there's so many elements that are so five doctors so similar yeah. <laughs> it's yeah. just so it was like a, a shot bell or something wasn't it it really didn't seem appropriate for the action it was like ding a ling a ling off you go ding yeah and but um, then the power was back on someone had paid the bill yeah, how did um, you feel ethically and morally about the fact that um, there was a slight discussion about it that they kind of promised him his freedom and his, the, and then the freedom was his death did you think that was okay uh he said, well, I promised him his freedom and I gave it to him. I'm like, well, kind of, but you also killed him. <laughs> yeah. yeah, it definitely feels like um, third Doctor Justice. Like, it's just like you either you've yeah. marked yourself out as a goodie or a baddie. Um, and if you're a baddie, then fuck the lot of you. There's, there's no grey area. Yeah. It's just if you're one of them, then expect to die. That's That really is the options open to you in third Doctor Two. It's only that's why I think it was always so weird. I guess for me that in Genesis of the Daleks, when the Doctor has that kind of crisis of should I and kind of like is do I have the right and all that kind of thing, um, because that's never really come up before. It's just like of course he should just kill him, baddie, kill the fuckers, like and it just that was kind of the advent of of a new age of actually considering your actions and there being two sides to a story and there's consequences that you probably need to consider above just the basic ones you see right in front of you. So, um, yeah, it was it was a shame. Although I did like the um, aspect that, you know, his freedom was taken away through death, but yet the doc- doctor's freedom is, is actually increased now yes. because he's given the DMAT circuit back. I thought that was a nice sort of... Because that was linked, I felt. That was deliberately linked. Right. But, um, yes. You are getting chatty. I think, can we say hello to Rena Rouge? You can't see her. She's really nice. Rena. Hello, Rena Rouge. Don't be all grumpety. Be nice. Be nicer. No? <laughs> she looks, let's look cute. She look cute. She's like a little teddy bear. Oh, look what teddy bear. Yeah. Right, get down. Shut up. <laughs> um... Something I forgot to say earlier was that you know that famous line, "Oh, you're my, you're my successors," or whatever it is, um, a dandy and a clown. Yeah. Originally, it was a hairdresser and a clown. And you can bet your bottom dollar who refused to have that line. That's hilarious! Isn't it brilliant? Oh, oh I wish they'd been. Per- we would have been furious. <laughs> Being described as because he does look he like does. a hairdresser. He's in perfect the second, with the hair. Oh, you've been about on the side, oh yeah. Oh, brilliant. Oh, that's hilarious. Oh, yeah, you see, his fragile masculinity really has ruined so much for Doctor Who. Oh, I know. <laughs> yeah. But I was glad 
to see the dematerialisation circuit. It did, obviously, again, yes. I was, it was all unexpected. Everything's unexpected for me. So I was like, oh, brilliant. That's going to open the shit up a bit. So, yeah, I was quite happy for that. And it did feel like a nice kind of Christmas yeah. present, which is emerging kind of yeah. another feel for it. And then they're going off to enjoy Carnival of Monsters next, which we really loved, didn't yeah. we? Yeah, yeah, that's a real Christmas present in itself. Misery. <laughs> so, regarded as one of the top two Pertwee stories, apparently, oh. but honestly, it really isn't. Oh. No. Overrated! Mm. So, can I have a summary, please, from you of the three doctors? Yeah. Tell me. Starts well, does really... Um, Bring some lovely moments. I do like seeing. I mean, seeing Patrick Trouton when you've just had a a guts full of John Pertwee. It's always a relief, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. um, Joe's not great in it, but oh no, I can't say but because there's no but. Joe's not great in it. <laughs> <laughs> end um no um yeah it, it, potential i'm not angry with it hearing all of your parallels with the five doctors it actually kind of does add to it a little bit in my eyes i do i kind of i don't feel like takes away from it because obviously it's um mm. it's the five doctors that stole it but yeah i it's it's interesting it certainly it's not one if someone says, oh, should we watch that? I don't think I'd be like, oh, no, I don't want to watch that again. Like, there's, there's enough to it that keeps you going. The gel yeah. guards, however much I don't like them, they're kind of, almost for their comedy value, they kind of are quite entertaining. You want to see them again because they do look so fun and so silly. Um, yeah, I think... The bit that really disappoints me throughout is just I really didn't... I wasn't in that world... I think that's that's what really matters to me. I need to have some belief. And it doesn't need to be amazing effects. It doesn't need to be something special. But something about the way it's written and something about the way it's portrayed makes you either believe in a world or it doesn't. Like we've talked about with Reboss, like wholly 100% believe yeah. that world exists. Like it's out there now. And the I'd like city to go. Of, city of Shire. Yeah. Yes. And yes. so I don't believe any of this. I imagine them in a quarry I imagine them in the studios and I just I don't feel like I was transported to another world and so that is the right. main thing that takes away from this story for me so there I loved its parochial beginnings I loved how it seemed incon inconsequential but as you say suddenly it was about all three doctors and I thought it was fantastic to have Troughton back fantastic to have Hartnell back even though he's not in it very much I think what he does he does well and it's really great that they had that and worked out how to include him, despite his ill health. Um, and I love the the feel of it. It feels very anniversary celebratory mm -hmm. in parts. But I think it falls down with set design in Omega's world, which I think is really cheap and it looks and feels cheap. Um, but I quite like the alien sort of antimatter world element of it. But then I'm a sucker for quarries, honestly. I, my favourite moment, I think, is when you see the gel guards pushing, pushing forward Benton and the second Doctor, and that's just like my favourite sort of like image from the wow. thing. It's weird how that sort of sticks in my mind as something I love. Yeah. But um, I, it feels so Who, and there's so many elements of it are very Doctor Who, like the HQ going through space into the black hole, the recorder saving the day, 
things like that. It's so Doctor Who you wouldn't have in any other series, and that's why I love it. But I think it falls down on design and it doesn't use all of its characters well. And I really hate the way it uses the Brigadier. Really. I think he just becomes a, a dumbed down idiot who's having some sort of nervous breakdown throughout. Right. So, yes, that is my summation. So we arrive at TARDISes out of 10. Gosh. Oh, um, always a tricky one, isn't it? I'm really tricky. I'm stuck between two numbers and I can't work out which it is at all. Um, shit. I need, I need yeah. to see what I've done before. What did I give? What did I give to the Autons? Very little, as I remember. <laughs> mm. It definitely deserves uh, more than that. Okay. Terror of the Autons, you gave... I've got a spreadsheet, sweetie. You gave a three. <laughs> wow. Ooh, okay. See that. I, think I, it's like more that. Imp- that I think it's more important that you work out what you gave um, Carnival of the Monsters. You gave Carnival of the Monsters a five. Mm. It's better than Carnival of the Monsters. Of course it is. But only just, so I think I'm going to give it a five. What? Well, that's the same score as Carnival kind of, of Monsters. Yeah, I know, but you can't give every story a slightly different fucking score when they're so very similar. Like, oh, I, I can God. give it a five oh, and a quarter. God. It's got Patrick Chapman in it. I'm overriding. I'm overruling you and putting in a six. <laughs> no. <laughs> okay. Well, for that reason, I'm giving it an eight. <laughs> <laughs> So I was thinking about a seven, now it's a fucking eight. (laughs) Averages don't count. It's not like we're gonna have a We'll be totaling, we'll be totaling ultimately. We'll be totaling. You love a total. (laughs) You don't know how hard it was for me to not put totals on the spreadsheet when I came. (laughs) So honestly, what are you giving it? An eight. You fucking idiot. It was between a seven and an eight, honestly, and I couldn't decide. Are you kidding me? I also give Day of the Daleks an 8 and Curse of Peladon an 8. It's definitely not worse than those. So, yeah. No, it is. Curse of Peladon and Day of the Daleks, they're good. This is good. It's the anniversary special, sweetie darling. (laughs) (laughs) Um... Anyway, can I just say to the listeners, we, we, we went back beyond Terror of the Autons. Um, and marked every story we'd done from episode one onwards of the podcast. And I'm surprised looking through the list because I didn't know what you were going to put for some of them. Pretty much every single story we give exactly the same score for. Which I was <laughs> honestly confused. I might have to change what the time medley I think was. I got it wrong, didn't I? Yes, we have. you put it as a seven, but you put it as an eight on the day. Oh, OK. Oh, I'm OK with that. Um, yeah. yeah, no, I doing them in retrospect, it's just, God, I can't remember what I was thinking. I probably, yeah, no idea. But yeah, no, I de- generally didn't disagree hugely on what I you know. put. So, on Terror anything. of the Vervoids, what, what's that one? Terror of the Vervoids. Um, you gave it a two, I gave it a four. Oh, yeah, see, that's fair. Yeah. And um, Mark of the Rani, you gave it a three. I gave it a five, but I'm already. Re- re- I'm thinking it's a four. I'm changing it <laughs> back to a four. I hate Mark of the Rani now. I watched it again. Such a shame, isn't it? But oh, then you would. Honestly. But okay, so you can give Mark of the Rani. Was it a three? Four. But oh, a four, and three doctors. Oh yeah, it's, it's a country flipping thousand miles better than it. Yes. 
you've got no legs to stand on anymore because honestly, because you, cause your scores were almost the same as mine for all the stories. There's only a few we disagree on. I think generally we do agree-ish yeah. on most of them. Yeah. You gave Day of the Daleks an eight and Curse of Paladin a seven and you've given the three Doctors a five. That seems like bizarre. That's- Perfect. Yeah, that's exactly where they are in my head. So that's, that's correct. <laughs> that's exactly where they are in my head. No, honestly, that I mean, Dead Daleks, brilliant. Carnival of Monsters. What did I say for that one? Same as Three Doctors, apparently. Just a shit. Oh no, five. Yeah, you know, I was saying. Yeah, I think mm. five or six. Yeah, well, that's okay. Mm. <laughs> I love how we disagree about score. We're both really strongly disagree about certain things. And then when you look at it, it doesn't look like much on paper. It no, looks like, oh, well, they, they really agree about similar. everything. Yeah, I know. So what did we really agree on then? What other stuff that shocked you? Well, most of Patrick Troughton we completely agreed on. There's like a point here or there that was different, but everything else was just ex- exact. It was really surprising. I was surprised that Fury from the Deep, we both gave an eight. Yeah, I got a lot of pleasure from that one. But it yeah. could have been how much I enjoyed doing the pod for that. <laughs> I know. Sometimes an, it's hard to distinguish. element too. of that, isn't there? Yeah. Oh, I didn't put a score in for Planet of Evil, but you were quite correct with a six. So, yes. I've just realised I missed that score out. Definitely a six only. And no more. Gosh. See? Yeah. Agreement all round. I know that, sweetie. Anyway, that's enough on the discussion of TARDISes out of 10. Yes. I think the listeners are reassured now that we have an ongoing spreadsheet which is fully tabulated and filled in. Yeah. Yeah. I think there's a lot of reassurance all around. Good. Appreciated. Also, looking at the spreadsheet helps me to think of what stories we haven't done. It should help you too. Yes. So tell us what we're doing next. Choose now. Choose now. Choose now. Next, we are doing a missing story because we need to up the missing story ante. So, (laughs) look of fear and horror. We are going to do a missing story next and we are going to do... I don't know, I can't decide. I was thinking, I was thinking maybe we do The Savages. Oh, I don't think I've seen that one. Yes. Nice. The Savages. Like it. Do. Good. So next nice. time, that's what we're here for. Good. Good. Excited. Right. Hope someone's going to mount a lead. That's the last time I remember this story. <laughs> mounting a lead. There's lots of mounting in this episode. Mounting in gauntlets. That's what yes. we're here for this episode. Yes. Good. And now, I right. thank, thanks to you, I will ever, forever see Omega in his antimatter world, in his underwear only. That's thank now you. all I'm thinking of. Yeah. And not washing. Having a Neapolitan ice cream on there. Yeah. Yes, at least. Oh, I forgot to tell you, there's a scene in which Joe and Tyler were meant to eat steak and chips because they could imagine it, so they imagined it and then had it. But oh, that would have been cut. nice because they really didn't make much use I of know. the fact that he could do anything. Anyway, anyway, sorry. Yeah. Okay, yeah. That is all we have time for from World Enough and Time this month. We will see you in sunny June. Well, it'll be sunny here. It won't be sunny oh. there, will it? No, not sunny at all. Miserable June. I shall see you then. Bye. Bye. The goo goo kichu. The goo goo kichu. The goo goo kichu.
You can listen to earlier editions of World Enough and Time on SoundCloud, Spotify and iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts.